Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Lila Rose Show. Today's interview is going to be awesome. It is with a friend of mine and someone that I admire who is just a very talented and special person who's going to be talking about an issue, a topic that, first of all, it's very courageous for her, but it's also something that is important, I think, for us all to talk about, be aware of, discuss, and that has to do with mental health. I've addressed this on the podcast before. We talked about depression with Dr. Aaron Cariotti several episodes back, but now we're going to take another angle and talk about bipolar and the challenges of that. And my wonderful guest today is Ashley Bratcher. Some of you may have heard of Ashley or actually seen Ashley. She was the lead actor in the fantastic film Unplanned. She's an actress. She has been working uh, in, in, on a lot of other film projects. She's actually, I think, heading to her next film project next week in just a few days. But Ashley, thank you so much for joining and taking the time to come on to the podcast and talk about this. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lila, for having me. So we were recently tweeting at each other about doing this podcast on mental health. You have been recently talking and opening up about bipolar, about mental health and the importance of boundaries and healing. And you've been in the public eye, especially in the last year or two after the release of Unplanned and then even before that doing acting. What first inspired you? But this hasn't been the first time you've talked about this publicly either. So what first inspired you to open up about mental health and start talking about it? The first time that I went public, I think it was in 2016. It was either 2016 or 2017 um, because it was the one-year anniversary of the day that I had wanted to kill myself. Honestly, I was super suicidal. I had sunken into a very dark depression and I went through a lot. I had a lot of support around me, though. God put people in my life that really just pulled me up and out of the pit. There were days that I felt like I couldn't pray for myself. I didn't even feel worthy of praying for myself. And other people, they did. They refused to let me give up my fight. And they just rallied around me and pulled me out of it. And there were a lot of steps along the way to get me healthy and where I am. But I remember on that one-year anniversary thinking... Looking at my photos, because, you know, sometimes your photos will pop up on social media and I'd be like, today's your memory. And I remember looking at a photo and thinking, look at me smiling and no one knows what's going on on the inside. Nobody would have had any idea that I was harboring all of this stuff on the inside that made me want to die. And so I, I remember posting a photo and just saying, here's what my story is. You know, here's where it started for me. Yeah, this is my struggle. I have bipolar disorder type 2. And I want to talk about it because Jesus saved me and this is my testimony. So first of all, that's incredibly brave. And I'm sure a lot of people that first saw that I know people today are very inspired when they hear people say, this is my struggle. There is hope. And like you just said, Jesus saved me. And I want to, I want to talk about that. But before diving into what is bipolar type 2 and, and more of that, you you're amazing. I mean, you you just were the lead actor in Unplanned. Um, I actually got to be on set with you last year um, for the film. I had one line. <laughs> you carried the entire film. I had one line. If you blinked, if you blinked, you would have <laughs> if you blinked, you would have missed it. And I actually botched my line when it was my turn to deliver it. Um, I said the wrong line. <laughs> I wasn't there for that. 
Well, I missed it. it was funny, but you, uh, that's why you were the lead actor, Ashley. <laughs> um, but it's just such an amazing film. And I know this wasn't your first rodeo. You'd been in many films before and it's gotten rave reviews. You just, you, you nailed it. You did an amazing job. So, um, first tell me, you know, this sounds like it's been a struggle. When did you first start struggling with this and how did that interact with your acting career? Well, I, I was undiagnosed for so long. Um, I didn't know that it was affecting my acting career because one of the things with bipolar is when you're manic, your moral compass is kind of skewed. You don't really feel any sort of moral guidance. It's like you do things and the only way I can explain it is is there's this adrenaline rush in doing things. Um, and there's always this high high speed, like quick, fast paced thing going on when you're a little manic where you're not really thinking rationally. You're just going and there's this idea of almost euphoria that everything's going to be great. You can conquer the world. Um, and with bipolar type two, which is what I have, the highs and the lows are not quite as extreme as with bipolar type one. Whereas with bipolar type one, when someone's manic, for example, they might think they, they can fly. Like that's not off. That's not crazy. They would think that they could fly or they think that they're the president of the United States with bipolar type two. We experience something more like hypomania, which just means it's an, an extremely elevated sense of self and mood and sometimes grandiose ideas. And just an example of that in my career, when I realized it was manifesting, I was doing so many things at once. I mean, I was spinning multiple plates. I think I had written, produced, starred in, and raised money for a short film in like a month, which is not, I mean, usually it takes months and months of planning to pull off, pulling together a crew and doing all these things. And I raised like over $10,000 in less than a month. And I was just go, 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 go. And then, um, oh yeah. Yeah. But like when you're in the middle of it, you don't, think of it. You're just like, I'm doing everything and I'm fine and it's great. And I'm so creative. And, uh, then when you, when you, when you come down, what I didn't know is that depression can also manifest as anger. Hmm. A lot of people don't realize that being depressed just is, is, isn't being sad. Like being depressed, isn't just sitting around and crying and, Oh, woe is me. Depression can manifest as anger. And so when I would come down, I would just kind of be kind of I don't know, irritated and angry. And at this point in my life, I think it was 2016 when I got diagnosed. If I'm going back in my timeline, I'm trying to remember because when I posted on Instagram, um, I had come down from this high and I was sleeping like 13, 14, 15 hours a day. And I just felt like I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. I had just had this amazing experience running nonstop, doing really good things. I thought, um, and I just all of a sudden felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt crippled and it was to the point that I was angry all the time. It was, it was taking a toll on my marriage more than my career because I felt like I was able to fake it and smile whenever I was around people I didn't know. And I think that's, that's true for the general public, you know, as individuals, sometimes it's a lot easier to fake it and smile when you're out in public and be like, Oh yeah, I'm fine. It's good. But when you're in your most intimate situation with your family and your friends, they see you. You know, you can't really hide that from them forever. And so they were watching me sleep, and I was angry and bitter. And finally, I just went to the doctor, and I said, I think I have cancer. Oh. <laughs> like, I, thought, 
I thought I was dying. I literally was like, there's something wrong with me. Like, like my thyroid is wrong. Like I literally thought I was dying. I made them run every test in the book and it came back and I was completely healthy. And I happened to have a really good doctor who just started asking the right questions. And he said, you know, have you ever felt like this before? And I had had an experience or two like that in the last couple of years. And he said, well, have you ever experienced times where you have way more energy? And I'm like, yeah, you like just last month, you wouldn't believe the stuff I was doing. (laughs) And it's funny to me now because like it's so apparent. But at the time, I, I wasn't putting the pieces together. My family didn't talk about mental health. I mean, the whole idea was, oh, you're not feeling good? Go run and get some sunshine. Like, it wasn't a topic that we talked about at all. And it doesn't help. Our culture is so focused on achievement. And those highs are, like, how we're expected to be almost. You know, this, like, intense accomplishment and, you know, be really positive and, like, you know, go big or go home. And so... I think it's also hard, like, when it's in a way the culture's rewarding that. And then when we crash, nobody wants to talk to – I mean, like that, like you said, it's just oh, your yeah. family sees that. So these, like, the yeah. manic depressive episodes with bipolar, like, the intensity of activity and then, the, like, the going deep down, like, getting low. I mean, that's – there's not really a – people aren't on the lookout for that to heal it or to mm-hmm. treat it because it's almost like our culture rewards it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think I would have even – sought help if I, if it wasn't affecting my marriage the way it was, because I, I didn't want to lose everything that I had. Um, I just, I love my husband so much. I love my son so much. And it was getting to a point that it was ripping our family apart. Um, and this doctor, he was just able to kind of pinpoint these cycles. And when he looked at me and he said, Ashley, I believe that you are a textbook case of bipolar disorder type two. I thought, no way. Like, not me, you know, not me. But at the same time, it was also bittersweet because when I sat down, I started thinking about all the things that I had done in my past. It gave me a reason for the first time Hmm. because I don't want people to believe that my past is like is squeaky clean because I am a new creation in Christ, which makes it easier for me to talk about the stuff that I did before because I did some really bad things. Like I, I just, I wasn't thinking rationally. I made impulsive decisions. I would get blackout drunk. I mean, th- there's so many things on the list that I could go down a dirty laundry list and talk about transparently because I am not that person anymore. That person is dead and I'm a new creation in Christ. But with that diagnosis for the first time ever, I was like, well, now I know why I did those things. Because people would ask me, like, why did you do that, Ashley? And I'd be like, I don't know. And I sincerely did not know. And now I was able to kind of put the pieces together to understand that my brain just hasn't been functioning like it was meant to. There's been a chemical imbalance in me that we needed to address. And I've, you know, in praying and, and searching for another doctor and getting into counseling, was able to find that stability and my faith is has been a core component of that. And I want to ask you about that because the um, struggle, my family has struggled with all different number of mental illness in my family tree. There's all kinds of mental cha- illness challenges and it's something that is 
very, I again did the episode on depression and personally struggled with depression, clinical depression in the past. So it's something that is so, I think, important to understand the family element to it. And then also you mentioned faith and, you know, when we, in giving your life to Christ, I mean, that is so incredibly powerful and transformative. But then there's also the human side where it's not like we can hyper-spiritualize and say, okay, I'm just going to pray my mental health issue away. You know, that can be very dangerous. Like, am I just not a good enough Christian because I'm still struggling, even though I've given my life to Christ, I'm trying to follow him. And so for, for you, it sounds like before this episode in 2016, when you got to a doctor and you finally got clarity about what was going on, you were a Christian. I mean, you were trying to live a Christian life. So it's not like that wasn't part of your life. You were married, you have a baby, you have a child, you know, you have a son. Um, So tell me about how you see those two interplaying, both your faith, but then also following a treatment plan and getting professional help. Yeah. Exactly what you said, praying it away. People just thinking, oh, you can pray it away and you can be healed. Does God perform miraculous healing? Yes, he does. But there's a lot of different components to that. And we can't expect someone to just walk into, you know, a pastor's office and then all of a sudden the pastor lays hands on someone and they're completely healed. Like that person has to be in the right spiritual mindset. There's there's all these other factors. Like people have to come to their own terms with their illness too. And not everyone is intended to go on the same journey. Um, for me, before I was a Christian, I definitely saw a difference in my actions with my bipolar disorder versus when I became a Christian, because I still didn't know I was diagnosed, but I had given my life to Christ. And because I had done that, there were at least more boundaries within my actions because God was always, I just always had this God awareness. So I was like, okay, well, I want to do this so much. Like my flesh wants to do this so much, but I'm not going to go quite as far because, you know, I gave my heart to Jesus. And so it was this weird, like, kind of thing where I had become a Christian. And then now I had this, this notion that some of these things, after I did them, I'd be like, they're, they're not so good. Like, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't be struggling with this. And then comes guilt and shame, right? So you're thinking, I'm a Christian. I shouldn't feel this way. Where the reality is, there are other Christians in our life that God puts in our life to help us get through these times. And not only that, but I believe that God has given doctors the wisdom to help treat people in positions like mine. Um, and so the, again, that concept, I just, I really, it breaks my heart when people are like, Oh, we're just going to pray for you. Like, no, we need someone getting down in the pit with people and pulling them up out and helping them get the help they need, whether that means seeing a doctor and being on a medication regimen or being in counseling every day. And for me, that's what it took. Did I seek out a Christian psychiatrist? Yes, I did. Are they hard to find? Yes, they are. <laughs> but I was I was adamant that I wanted to be seen and heard by a doctor who shared my faith so that they could understand the battles that I faced as a Christian combating something that can be seen as, as not normal within the Christian realm, if that makes sense. It totally, um, it totally makes sense because there's this, there's an expectation and, and it's, it's a, it's a holy expectation in the sense that 
we know that God changes us and we know that he has the power, like you said, to commit to, to do a miracle and he does do miracles. I mean, I still see miracles happening today, but he also is the God of the, of the universe. He created medicine. He created other people to, you know, perform medicine. He created science. I mean, these are all, everything that's good and true and beautiful is God's. So to use these things, these natural means, these everyday means for our health and our development is good and holy too you know so it's both and it's not it's not an either or you know I think a lot of people have approached me sometimes and it it does come from a place of just not understanding it is good-hearted and it's good intention but it comes from a lack of understanding when people walk up to me and they're like you realize you can be healed from your from your bipolar and, and you're like, oh, yes, I do. I'm like, but there is this part of me that sa- that wants to just say, you don't understand what a blessing it's been also. Mm. Because with such a journey, there comes a great blessing. Because I have learned so, so much. If I hadn't gone to such a dark place, if I hadn't experienced those lows, there's no way I would be as compassionate and empathetic as I am now. I just have such a deeper appreciation for my life, for my family, and helping other people who are in that place. And and that's what sometimes God uses that. Like, well, sometimes, not sometimes, always. When you give it to God, he will use it. If you allow your testimony to serve God, he will use that to to serve other people. And I am, I'm grateful for that because it opened my eyes to helping people in a different way to actually understanding, understanding them because there's a great difference between sympathy and empathy. And what people need in situations like this is empathy. We don't want someone to say, Oh, I'm so sorry that you feel that way. We need someone to say, I'm sorry that you're going through this. How can I help? That's so, so good. And it, and having, and suffering gives us the power to be able to understand others because it's so hard for us to put ourselves in someone else's shoes if we haven't been there. I mean, it's still possible and we can still try at it and we should. That's part of the, the practice of empathy. But I, I love what you're saying, Ashley. It's so beautiful because God doesn't ever give us a cross that he doesn't use for his glory. I mean, that is that is just the, the the power of our God, <laughs> you know, that's, and yeah. the, the cross itself, I mean, Christ dying on the cross for all of us, and then resurrecting again, like he used this, the worst of the worst, I mean, crucifixion and all of our sin, you know, on the cross, our Lord taking it on in order to then resurrect in glory and to, and to be able to take us all with him, you know, to give us eternal life. So it's just an, it's just an incredible testament that you have that perspective because it is the it is the truth and um you know I think about people that say well why why is there suffering in the world you know why do some people good people like you good people you know Mm -hmm. why was Ashley given this cross and for you to say well it's been this blessing for me to grow I mean that's that's just absolutely beautiful yeah and I want to encourage people to remember that though when you're in the middle of of depression it just feels like it makes no sense it just Mm. why would I be here but to constantly remind yourself that God is always there he is always with you he is never going to leave you 
And if you look and you see, he will always provide. So, I mean, even David, if you think of David in the Bible and how much he cried out to God, I mean, David was a totally imperfect man who God said was a man after his own heart. He's a great person to look at in the Bible and and his struggles. I mean, and then look at how God used that. It's incredible. I think it's important for people to remember to be encouraged that even when you're in the middle of despair to know that at some point, one of the favorite one of my favorite quotes I just heard was at some point your pain and suffering will be a survival guide for someone else. And I've read that and I thought, wow, that's good stuff to remember that in the middle of my despair, that when I get through this, because we're not only survivors, we're more than overcomers in Christ. When I get through this, what I have been through will be a survival guide for someone else. I mean, that's really cool to think about. It's a great spin on how you feel when you're in the middle of something. That's so beautiful. Um, there's something else you said you were talking about when you actually went and got, finally was, you know, your doctor was able to say, you're, this looks like classic bipolar type 2, and you were able to start treatment. You talked about the importance of finding a Christian psychiatrist, important to you for sharing your values. And I think that mm-hmm. that obviously, I, I remember when I first went to therapy, I wanted a Christian therapist. Well, my parents at the time, they wanted that for me too. And over the years, I've always wanted ideally medical professionals that matched my faith. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's always ideal. Yeah. But sometimes it's not possible. And so, or it might be yeah. really hard to find. And so what would be words to those people? If, you're, if someone is listening or they know someone who is struggling, they have a loved one, whether it's struggling with something that mm-hmm. may be bipolar, maybe depression, maybe anxiety, some mental health issue, and they're looking for help, what would be your advice? Um, and maybe there doesn't seem to be readily faith-based help available. <laughs> what would be your advice yeah. to them? Well, I totally believe that there are doctors who don't share the same faith. that are highly qualified and wonderful people to um, serve your needs. So I want to make that very clear. Um, I just think that when you are searching for a therapist or counseling or, or you're seeking, um, for the first time, medication is a scary thing. Anytime a doctor says, okay, well we should try this medication. It's scary. Like I know firsthand that saying, okay, well I'm going to trust this doctor and I'm going to put this medication into my body. It's a scary thing. You need to have a sense of trust with your doctor. So for me, any time that I've had to find a doctor, because I moved now and moving to Georgia was another trigger for me because I had the same doctors treating me since I had been diagnosed in 2016. They were the same doctors treating me. And then I moved in 2019 and all of a sudden I have to start over. That was scary. And I had to find someone that I trusted. And the way that I did that was seeing who I felt like was really listening to me, making sure that these doctors were asking me questions and they cared about where I had been and how I had gotten to where I was, that they didn't just take out a prescription pad and say, well, here's a list of medications that treat this, this disorder. I needed someone that cared enough to ask questions. And I'm not saying that there are doctors out there that just prescribe medications, but for me, I need a doctor that is interested in having a more personal relationship with me as a patient to know where I'm coming from, even if we don't share the same faith, that they can understand why I make certain decisions based on my faith. And I think that that should be really important for anyone, regardless of if you're a Christian or not, is making sure that you have an open line of communication with your doctor 
that you feel comfortable and you trust them to be able to say any and everything and you can be transparent about how you're feeling. That's so good. And being your, you have to be your own advocate. I mean, basically, and know uh-huh. and, and stand up for what you're looking for and, 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 and kind of fight for it a little bit because you're right. Um, some doctors, I know they're, they are different than others and they're quick to prescribe without really taking that time with you. Um, mm-hmm. Or they're, you know, there's just not that level of personalized care that maybe for whatever reason, you know, they're not giving. <laughs> um, and so that's so good and so true. And and to not feel feel bad about trying to get the best answers, the best support you can, because at the end of the day, this is your your life, your health, and yeah. you're precious. <laughs> you know, your, 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 your life is a gift. I encourage people to remember, too, that when they walk into a doctor's office, you're not going to serve yourself if you hide things. Mm. So if if there, there are going to be things that are hard to say out loud. You have struggles. Everyone has internal struggles that when you say it out loud, whew, it makes it feel intense and shameful and guilty and, and real. And you don't want to deal with that. But you don't serve yourself unless you say everything and you're completely transparent with your doctor. It's all confidential. They can't, they can't go out in the streets and be like, hey, Ashley came in today and here's how she's you know, it's confidential. So I, I really encourage people to make sure that they're being transparent because you get the best care when you are completely transparent with your doctors. That's so good. Um, what has been your experience? You mentioned, of course, your marriage and family, but what for loved ones? I mean, somebody listening, maybe they're struggling themselves or maybe they know someone who's struggling. And what would you say to the loved ones of who have loved ones who might be struggling with a mental health issue, especially bipolar, be, from your mm-hmm. experience, what are the best ways to actually love a friend or a family member who's struggling? I want to mention one thing about bipolar too, just because if anyone's listening and they don't exactly know how bipolar works, it's not a daily swing. It's not like a couple of hours, oh, Ashley's happy in the morning and now she's mad, so she's bipolar. It's like uh, people love to say, well, the weather's bipolar today. <laughs> the weather is not bipolar today. Bipolar can last, you know, it's it's a certain number of days where you're feeling one way or the other. It's not a day here or a day there. It's And for me, it was weeks. I was in a, sometimes up to three months. I remember being manic for almost three months at one point. Um, so just I want to clarify that for people before moving on. Um, and then as far as as far as loving someone and being a friend to someone that you know is struggling, or maybe you don't know what that they're struggling. They they might not even know that they're struggling. And and a, a really cool thing that I learned in therapy was when we communicate with people and we don't point the finger, it makes it a lot easier to have conversations where no one gets defensive. So instead of saying you're acting this way and it's causing this, like you're acting this way and you're getting yourself in trouble because you're doing this. That's the you, 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 you statement. Instead, flip it and say, um, when you behave in this way, I feel this way. So it's not like you're pointing the finger at them. You're saying, you know, sometimes when you make choices without considering how I feel, it makes me feel like maybe you don't care about me as much. So that way that it, it opens the door for that person to say, Oh, well, you know, like that wasn't my intention. And then it's a less defensive conversation. It's a way to speak to someone without making them defensive. 
trying to make sure that you explain how you feel because of something without pointing the finger. And then really sometimes it's just a matter of looking at someone and saying, are you okay? How are you feeling? Like, I know you look like you've got a lot going on right now. And when you, when sometimes someone has a lot going on, you can say to them, wow, I can tell that, you know, you're super ambitious and I can't imagine trying to spin so many plates at one time. How are you feeling about that? Are you doing okay? And then that moment, your friend might be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked because I'm falling apart. (laughs) And it's just a matter of checking in with people and loving them like Jesus and not judging because using words like should are also guilt words because we want to tell ourselves, I should feel happy. I shouldn't be sad or telling someone else, well, you have, you're so successful. It'd be easy for, it'd be easy for someone to walk up to me on one of the days I'm not feeling so happy and I'm maybe feeling a little depressed. It'd be easy for someone to walk up to me and be like, you shouldn't be sad. You're a very successful working actress. (laughs) That's not fair. You know, like it's, it's not fair to tell people how they should and shouldn't feel. So remember that and encouraging your friends that, it's more important not to judge. It's more important to just sit and listen and say, how can I help? We need action, not just listening, not just prayers. We need action. Like we need people down in the pit like they were with me who make you get up, who help your friends get up. I mean, there were days I didn't want to get out of bed and my sister would say, Ash, like, let's get out of bed and just walk for five minutes. I don't care if you haven't taken a shower in five days just walk for five minutes you know it takes really being strong enough to get down in the mud and pull your friends out and your family out yeah and I think what you're saying too is like the assumptions that people we can have about each other I mean we all operate off of assumptions sometimes we don't even realize we have them and some of that can very quickly get to be judgments which are not fair for us to be making And in challenging those, even about our loved ones or our friends, like if we see a behavior pattern that we're like, what's going on? Or maybe that's just the way they've always been. But like you're saying, like taking that time to really understand and ask the questions and be a listening ear instead of immediately saying, well, they should, like you said, that the, the, the trigger word of should, they should be doing this because Uh, there's always, there's always more to the story. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the thing that even in my own life, getting to know myself, I mean, you, you talked about, uh, it took years for you to even discover that this was a challenge that you were living with. And then you finally got the help you needed. I mean, it's crazy how sometimes we're not even self-aware of what we're going through, let alone what other people are going through. Yeah. Being a good enough friend or family member to say, hey, you're taking on a lot right now. What does that feel like? You know, saying, I'm a little worried about how much you're taking on right now. I'm a little worried that you haven't left the house in a couple of days. What's going on? How can I be there for you? Yeah, it's, it's so important to create that source of action and not use words like should. You should. You should. I think anytime that a word triggers an emotion like guilt or shame it says a lot about your motivation for moving forward. Mm, so yeah. if someone says you should feel happy and then it triggers something and you're like, okay, well I should, then that just creates more anxiety. It creates more depression because then you feel bad about feeling bad. It's like, <laughs> it's a cycle. And yeah. it, it's just, I encourage people to not use words like that either. Yeah, totally. And I, I, I know we're um, running short on time here, but there's two other things I wanted to ask you about. 
Um, first of all, you know, you are a high powered <laughs> woman. I mean, again, like if people haven't seen Unplanned, go check it out. It's a phenomenal film. It's very inspiring. Um, the story of conversion and forgiveness. Um, and it was in theaters, but now I think it's released on DVD. If I under not DVD, but it's streaming. It's both, yeah. So it's on DVD and it's streaming on most platforms now. It's awesome. Although, who's watching DVDs anymore? <laughs> now it is streaming, so get it, get it on Amazon and wherever else you get your. Lila, like, I can't believe how many DVDs we sold. I was like, oh, wow. wow. DVD player. I guess they do about. exist. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> what would be your advice to those who are in really, I mean, it's high pressure, high pressure careers, or even just, you know, they have their family relationships to maintain, their mothers or fathers or wives or whatever it is, or they're in high pressure ministry. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pro-life world specifically, I know you've launched into that since making Unplanned. And that's intense. I mean, we're dealing with life and death. We're dealing with people making life and death decisions, you know, the trauma of, of that, the children who are being killed, women who are hurt. What's your advice to those in high pressure situations who are also dealing with or have dealt with or ongoing dealing with mental health and other struggles? Transparency, authenticity, and truth, most importantly, will always set you free. Anytime that you can admit and put into the light what has been hidden in darkness, you will feel a sense of burden lifted. And not only that, you will minister to other people. I think it's even more so important for people who are in a high power situation or, uh, or uh, high pressure situations to be honest with other people. And for me, sometimes I think it shocks people because I, I can have known someone for 10 minutes and depending on what the conversation is, I'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, like I have bipolar disorder. So that experience for me was like, like this. I mean, I literally just saying they're like, Oh, okay. Like they, they sometimes are shocked by it just because I'm so transparent about it. But I need for people to understand that sometimes I react differently in situations. And sometimes I have to be self-aware enough to know how to set boundaries because of the self-awareness that I now have with my disorder. I know what is good and healthy and true and right for me and where I have to set boundaries so that I'm not putting myself in a position that could damage my mental health. That's such a good point because I think that's another thing. It's people have different struggles and maybe they're hidden struggles and they're in these high pressured situations and maybe they need to take a break or maybe they need to focus on their own health so that and give themselves permission to do that, like you're saying, so that we mm-hmm don't make ourselves burn out or so I I think I love what you're saying about authenticity and even transparency but also part of that too is you know you're you are on a treatment plan you know I right now in my life I'm doing things so that I don't go into a depressive episode so I take good care of myself and the good news is those things exist I mean there's different levels of healing there's different ways I mean there can be ongoing struggles but the point is you can do things in your life and take that time. And maybe that means saying no to a career opportunity or saying no to a commitment so that you can focus on your health. Um, One more question for you, Ashley. What about resources? I mean, we talked about professional help. We talked about friends. Um, What what have been some other resources or other things that have helped you in your journey and that you would recommend to others? I mean, there's a ton of organizations that have 24-7 hotlines. And I know that the idea of talking to a stranger can feel so vulnerable, but also it's so freeing because it's someone that you don't know 
who can just offer outside unbiased opinion. And these people are trained counselors. Um, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I, I've had to call the 24-7 hotline with my therapist. There were moments where I felt overwhelmed and it was 10 or 11 o'clock at night and I couldn't get a grip. And so I call them and they're like, okay, what's going on? All right, here are some things that we can do to work through it. And I have no shame in, in saying that that's a really amazing resource. There are also courses. Uh, I went through group therapy and there's a lot of free group therapy, which is beneficial for both um, grad students because a lot of them are run by grad students who are transitioning into careers and they're free. So you can go into those courses and, and get some really great tools out of it for good communication and self-awareness. And it's free. It's really great. I do just also want to point out the spiritual root of things, too, because there is a spiritual battle for our lives as Christians. There's a spiritual battle. Like, the enemy wants nothing more than to see us destroy ourselves. And so I think it's really, really important, to to make sure that when you start to feel that way, that whatever you're taking in, that it should line up with the Word of God. As a Christian, if you go somewhere and you're getting advice that doesn't line up with the Word of God, you know, think about it, challenge it, and make sure that you are in line with what God wants for your life and it lines up with your values and your faith. So good. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, what are you up to next? I know you mentioned, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about it, but your next project or where will people be able to see you on the, on the screen next? I've worked on a couple TV shows this year. Uh, one is called Washington's Armor, which is a, a historical drama based on the life of George Washington and how he rose to presidency and his faith during that journey. How fun. So Are you really wearing cool. an old-fashioned dress? Oh, yeah. It's how totally cute. <laughs> yeah. So that will be out hopefully later this year. Um, I just booked the lead in a romantic comedy, which is so refreshing after doing so much heavy hard work this year to be able to go into something a little more light and fun. Um, I start working on that next week. So that's exciting. I still have a lot of opportunities coming up in the next year. I'm in the process of developing two of um, two other stories that I'm very passionate about that I came across. So I might be putting on a producer hat. I love and it. My own projects. I'm excited about that. And awesome whatever the future holds whatever well, god really wants me to do that's what we're going for <laughs> i love it well i'm excited to see it all and i know you're going to continue to just make a beautiful impact on the world with your art so thank you thank you so much for joining today and chatting with me about this such important topic and for being so open i know it has impacted so many people and will help and serve so many others thank you lila thanks for giving me the chance to share thanks everybody for listening to this important conversation on mental health and bipolar disorder. And if you know somebody who is struggling or if you are struggling, please know that you are not alone or let them know that they are not alone and that there is help at any point you, or you can give this number to a friend to call. There is a confidential free hotline for national suicide prevention. It's a lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255 to connect with professional confidential help. That's 1-800-273-8255. Also, at any point, you can text the word TALK, T-A-L-K, to the number 741-741 for free confidential help. That's TALK to 741 741- 
1-800-273-6741. Thanks again, guys. I hope you can share this podcast. I hope you can continue to subscribe or encourage friends to subscribe. And I look forward to talking to you all next week.